You're listening to the Creating a Brand podcast. I am your host, Alex Sanfilippo. Today's guest is Apple Kreider. If you thought I said apple cider, you are mistaken. It is Apple Kreider. Apple Kreider is a 20-year-old, and he is absolutely crushing it in the podcasting world and the world of YouTube. He is the host of the Top 100 Business Podcast called Young Smart Money, and he's also the co-founder of Six Figure Affiliate Dot Marketing and we can watch some videos of him there. Apple is a genius. He is 20 years old. I met him when he was 19. I immediately could tell that he was going to be going places. And within one year of that time, he is now moved from no podcast to a top 100 business podcast. So I wanted to have him on the on the show here to talk about how he was able to accomplish everything he's been able to accomplish. And it's crazy because he said that he's been able to do it through doing less. He said, I've been able to accomplish more by doing less. And that's what I want to talk to him about today. And we really get into it in this episode. We almost crack the formula, if you will, for how to do more while doing less. It's a really cool episode, very insightful. I believe it's really going to speak to you and help you. So let's go ahead and jump into my interview with Apple Kreider. Apple, thank you so much for being on the show. Appreciate it, man. Alex, it is my pleasure. Yeah, we, we had the opportunity to hang out quite a bit at FinCon 18 in Orlando, Florida. You remember that? Yeah, dude, uh, that was the time, dude. Yeah, it was. <laughs> you and I shut down the venue a couple different times because we just like brought our laptops in. I think we were both staying outside of the venue. Is that why you were hanging with me so late? Because we were just like working in all hours of the night. Yeah, we were just we were just getting stuff done, grinding stuff out the entire time. No rest. Yeah, everyone who walked by, they're like, are you guys working right now? We're like, yeah. They're like, it's 12.30 or 1 a.m. I'm like, yeah, we're just, we're just here knocking it out, trying to do our follow-ups. Yeah. yeah, no, I love it. And you know what's funny? Actually, that conversation with you, and I guess it was a few days we did that, mm-hmm. just being able to like meet you and see that you're, you're similar to, to I am in the area of wanting to achieve and get things done. And I love that. So immediately, I was like, man, this, this Apple guy, he's cool. He's going places. So I was like really excited to actually like get to meet you. And here we are many months later getting to actually do a podcast episode together. So I'm really excited to have you here today. It's an exciting time, man. I'm ready for it. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, and I've talked to Amy a little bit about what you do and some of our listeners know already, but I'd love to hear your story about what you're doing and kind of even how you got your start with where you are now, because you're a young guy, but I want to hear about like, what are you doing right now? Sure. So right now, at this point in time, I host and produce a top 100 business podcast called Young Smart Money. Basically, the premise of the show is I interview six, seven, and eight figure online entrepreneurs who are doing cool stuff to show other young people like myself, I'm a 20-year-old college student right now, to show other young people all the different options they have available to them outside of the traditional nine to five, because that's something that we've got drilled down our throats left and right from the day we're born till we're dead pretty much that that's the traditional path that you go down. So I kind of wanted to challenge that, bring on some young people who are doing really, really cool things and just show people all the options that they really do have available to them to just give them a fair chance of what they could be doing with their life. Yeah, no, absolutely. And congratulations, by the way, your podcast is nothing short of a great success. And it's really cool to see you doing this. I appreciate that. Yeah. Now tell us a little bit about your background, how you got to doing this though, because when I originally met you, you were kind of getting into some YouTube and a few other things as well. How has this kind of progressed to where you are today? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'm a very scattered person. I'm getting better (laughs) at working on that. But just to give you some context of what I mean by that, I'd say about two months ago, I was feeling really overwhelmed by all the different things I was working on. I was running a social media marketing agency. I was doing YouTube. I was doing my podcast. And I decided, I was like, okay, 
what I'm going to do, I'm going to pull up my whiteboard and I'm going to write down every single project that I'm working on right now, just to like lay it all out and get a feel for what's going on in my life right now. Cause I was just like, like my brain was exploding right, every I single bet. day. I was just overwhelmed. So I did it and I listed out 26 things. I was working on 26, 26 projects. 26 things. That's I know. probably not humanly possible. No, to, to, it wasn't. To, like I wasn't doing anything well. I was doing a terrible job at 26 things. And I was like, what am I doing right now? So I picked three things that I was going to focus all in Genius. on and actively avoid everything else. Like I wasn't just going to like do these other things on the side. I was like, nope, if it's not one of my top three out the window, not going to do it. It's a no. So that was a really, really pivotal moment for me. And again, that was only about two months ago. But since making that shift, I guess a little bit before then was when, or must have been a little bit longer than that, because about three months ago, I hit top 100 business podcasts. So I must have done that about three months ago. And right after that, like I said, I hit top 100 business podcasts because my podcast was my number Number one. That was the thing yeah. that I was like, all right, I'm seeing some traction here. I think if we dump the majority of my energy into this, we're going to see some serious results. So I did. And that's what happened. So that was a big shift for me. But before that, we can flash back a bit to like how I actually got started in the world of like entrepreneurship and personal finance. If yeah, that's definitely. Let's talk about interest. that. Yeah, cool. yeah. So what really shifted for me, so first thing, I was getting interested in the world of stocks, investing, entrepreneurship, and I was just basically watching YouTube videos. I was watching probably an hour or two of YouTube videos a day at the age of maybe 16 to 17. While I was in high school, I was just like, hmm, what could I be doing right now? I'd always had a fascination with like making money. I'd sold stuff on eBay for a while. I'd sold candy to my friends in like middle school and just nice, like all these nice. little side hustles. Yeah, I got um, a similar background to you. Not candy. Yeah, we've talked exactly. about it before. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I've been doing stuff like that. I wanted to take the next level. So I was learning about like online business models and stuff. And I came across this guy, his name was Ryan Scribner. And I was really fascinated with his content because he was just starting off. He was making a lot of really valuable content on investing and entrepreneurship. So I started following along with this guy. A book that he recommended was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So by Robert ah, Kiyosaki. Yes. Fantastic and I that book. book up. Yeah. I saw it in a thrift shop and I was like, oh, this dude Ryan was talking about this book. So I picked it up, burned through it in like a day. And it really just shifted <laughs> a lot of things for me because before that, my life path was like, okay, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to graduate. I'm going to become a computer programmer. I'm going to work like 80 hours a week. I'm going to make bank. And then I'm going to retire at 60, move to Florida and die. Like that was my plan. Wow. I, your plan is depressing. <laughs> I know. Like looking at it now, I'm like, that's a terrible idea. Like, why would I, why would I want to do that? Because that's, I mean, that's what I saw. Like my dad is a computer programmer. He's been one for a while. And I mean, he enjoys what he does, but that was the path that I saw. And I was like, okay, that seems like a decent path. Let's just mm -hmm. do that. My dad seems decently happy. So let's just do that. <laughs> but I read that book and I was like, wow, I could do something else with my life. Like I don't have to do that. You identified your dad as the poor dad. That's terrible. <laughs> well, not necessarily. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, I yeah, mean yeah. There's, there's a balance, but yeah, Absolutely. I mean, his life isn't that extreme. But yeah, of course. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So that was my thought process there. That really turned on a light for me. And then a little ways after that, the, the dude Ryan that I was that I was following, he was giving away free Skype calls to his YouTube subscribers. And he was hopping on the phone with like 15 minutes with them and just talking about anything. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like, I really look up to this guy. Let's hop on a call with him. So I did. And I told him about what I was doing and what I was learning. And he was like, you should start a YouTube channel. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't really know how to do that. And like, I'm not an expert. Like, I'm literally just like, at this point, I was probably 18 years old. And I was like, I don't think I have that much to add to the conversation. But he convinced me to do it. And literally that night, I recorded my first YouTube video. And mm -hmm. it was in the basement of my college dorm. I remember it very clearly because I recorded a couple of videos like this. But just to give you guys, paint a, paint a little picture here. So it's a dim basement classroom, okay? And there's a whiteboard. And in front of that whiteboard, I was standing. And in front of me, there was a table. And on that table, 
I put a chair and on the chair, I put a garbage can because my computer wasn't high enough without the garbage can. So I had the garbage can on the chair, <laughs> put my computer on the garbage can. And then on the computer, I had like propped up my phone so it could record me. And it was the worst thing that I've ever seen. Like I watched it. Very resourceful video. though. Very resourceful. <laughs> you I mean, used what I, you had. <laughs> I used what I had. So I recorded that video. You could barely see me. You could barely hear me, but I posted it to YouTube. And like a day later, I had like 50 views on it. And I was really encouraged by that. I saw that and I was like, 50 people watched this video. Like I was able to communicate with 50 people yeah, it's through this video, share a message with 50 people. Like if I was in a room speaking in front of 50 people, I would feel like I was really having an impact on them. So for sure. Fact, yeah. yeah. And like the fact that I could put out a video that was so poorly produced and get 50 people to watch it, I was like, there's some potential here. I could do something with this. Absolutely. So, and I know your content has always been fantastic. And this is a side note, but content it has always been and always will be king. So if you, if you have mm -hmm. a good message, people will forgive you for the rest, but flip it around really nicely yeah. produced video with a terrible message and content in it. No one's going to care about that. But you had the right the idea and motive behind it because I've gone back and watched some of your videos. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so it's it, anyway, continue. It's cool to hear that, though. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. And yeah, like content, content is really what it comes down to because like you can get away with with not having the most fancy like production yep. value early on. But yeah, if you don't have if you don't have the content, if you don't have the substance, you're not going to really find much success there. Right. So I've been doing that for a while. I was starting a couple other sort of side businesses, namely a social media marketing agency. So primarily what I was doing is I was working with online entrepreneurs and helping them build their brand online. And we can get back to that in like one second. But yeah. the reason that I transitioned from YouTube to podcasting, I was doing YouTube for a while. I was never really taking it seriously though. There is, there's a whole, there's a whole YouTube game that you can play if you want to. And there's a lot of people online that are really good at the YouTube game, but I never really took the time to learn it pretty much exclusively because I was doing way too many things at once. And I didn't decide to dedicate 26 things, time. right? Yeah. yeah you, 26 didn't, you didn't have things. time to, to, <laughs> to devote to it. Exactly. So while I was working on these other business ventures, though, my school radio station reached out to me at, at my college here in Wisconsin, and they asked to have me on the show. They wanted to interview me on the different side hustles that I was working on to basically just share my experience as a college entrepreneur. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> like, I'm, yeah. I'm so down. So I went on the show and it was so cool. It was like a 30 minute interview and I just loved it so much. I really loved the format of just like sitting in the booth with somebody and just like having a conversation and just that being a piece of content in and of itself that could provide a lot of value yeah, to people. Yeah. So I did that and then literally as soon as I got off that, I was like, how can I do this more? Like, how can I do more of what I just did? Mm. And so then I thought about podcasting. I went home and I Googled how to start a podcast. And literally that entire night, I just sifted through as much information as I could find, figured out exactly what I needed to know, and then went out to produce a completely garbage podcast. Um, <laughs> what I decided to hey, do- Hey, but again, it was good content. I, I know the original one you're talking about. It's the one that you built on Anchor, <laughs> I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and it was good content though. That's true. But so what I had decided to do was I was going to script my entire podcast. I was going to script an hour long podcast you episode. Literally that. Word for word. No, literally, I wrote a 30 page document. Oh, my God. Four different podcasts. So I wrote like 120 pages of stuff for these podcasts. And I literally I would just go in the booth at the radio station. I would just sit down for an hour and literally read my script. And oh my it was gosh. like I still have them up because it's just it's so bad. That like I just go back to them How and listen. How much and I'm energy like, did that take to do that? Too much energy, way too much. Oh, it was a grind. It was a real grind. Wow. <laughs> but I did that and I published those. And then I was like, wow, 
I was pretty proud of them at the time, but I didn't want to keep doing that because it took a long time yes, to yes. write 30 pages worth of content. By the way, we scripted this whole podcast episode. Oh yeah, word so, for word. I'm reading exactly the script right now. You're doing a great job, by the way. <laughs> Thank you, you as well. <laughs> But so, so I was doing that, but then I figured out that I could be interviewing people as well, transitioned into that, and then started taking it more seriously a couple months ago and basically just scaled up from there. And now I've been sort of teaching other people how to do the same thing. And, and that's been the main thing with that. And then, yeah, the social media marketing agency has been a thing on the side that I was doing. We can talk a little bit more about that if you want to. The main lesson that I learned from the marketing agency was working for free because, and this is something that I think a lot of young people can relate to is that when I was starting off, I sort of had this ego about me. And I don't really know why, because like I never done anything. Like I had no reason to like have a, have an inflated ego, but I just thought like I was like top dog, like on top of the world. Like I'm this 18 year old kid. I'm like, I have a YouTube channel. I'm like killing the game. I got like a thousand subscribers. (laughs) Like I'm in the big leagues now. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So I, I'd gone out there and I had this idea that I was going to like start doing more stuff on Instagram because I'd been growing my own Instagram, had a couple thousand followers there. And I was like, what the heck, I'll go out and like help some people with Instagram. And I decided to do that. Wasn't seeing any traction whatsoever. Didn't know how to get a client or anything. So what I decided to do was I decided to work for free for people. And this was something that not a lot of people are willing to do. And there are a lot of gurus out there that'll tell you, hey, never, never work for free because then that's, you're setting your worth. You're setting your worth at zero and you never want to set your worth at zero. You always want to set your worth high because- What do you think of that though? What do you think of that? I think there's a time and a place for that. And if you're worth it, charge it. I wasn't worth it though. I was 18 years old and I'd never done anything. So I wasn't worth it. And what I would also say to that is like, if you're worth it, you're going to make it. Because what I did is I went out there and I knew I had the skills because I'd applied them myself on my own Instagram page and I'd been able to grow and get some good traction there. And I'd started a couple other pages. So I decided to approach somebody, the same dude, Ryan, that had been a big influence on me earlier. And he, at the time, he probably had like 300,000 subscribers on YouTube and about 3,000 on Instagram. Instagram. And I was like, well, what the heck? Why is there this disparity? This dude just doesn't know the Instagram game and I do. So let's help him out. Right. So, yeah. So I hit him up. I hit him up on email and I was like, hey, Ryan, I love what you're doing on YouTube. I've been consuming your content since day one. We got on that Skype call. It really changed a lot of things for me. And but I sent him in that email, email number one, I sent him three videos that I'd made for him. I took one of his YouTube videos, actually three of his different YouTube videos, and I took a one minute clip out of each of those videos that I felt was really powerful. It stood well alone. And I put a title on the top. I put rolling captions on the bottom that kept up with what he was saying. They were perfect for Instagram, like the square size. Oh, very smart. So you gave him his content. Yeah. First email. Wow, did okay. not ask if I could work for him for free. Did not say anything. Yeah. I didn't ask for permission. I just did it. I was like, yeah, hey, Ryan. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I made these videos for you and uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to continue to make three of these for you every single week. Don't want any money. Just want to help you spread your message, reach more people because I I really support what you're doing. So I did that and he was like, dude, that's awesome. That's great. I'm going to start posting these. And he did and they worked really well. And then he was like, dude, these, those were awesome. How much do you want for them? Like, I'm going to start paying you for this. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) I was just going to do this for free. But then he decided to start paying me for it. So I scaled that up. He sent me a couple of referrals to a couple of his other friends in the investing space that didn't really know how to do Instagram. And like my first month, I made like probably nearly $3,000 doing that, literally just making those Instagram videos for people. And I only had like three clients, but all of them were like, dude, we love these. They're performing extremely well. And just by starting by working for free for one person, I was able to leverage that because I had the chops. And like, if I didn't have the chops, he wouldn't have offered to pay me. So I think if you do have the chops and you know you have the chops, or if you don't, if you don't know if you have them or not, like work for free. And if people enjoy your product or enjoy your service enough to want to actually keep you around, 
if they're a good person, I think they're going to offer you compensation for that because they're going to want to keep you around and they're going to want to make it worth your time to keep doing that if you have the skills and if you have the chops to do it. Yeah, I think that actually you, you kind of hit on a big business principle there that not enough people talk about. And that's you start a business to add value to solve a problem. Mm. And a lot of people want it. They say, no, I started a business to make money. And it's like, well, that's not going to help. No one cares about you making no. money. You know, <laughs> like if it solves their problem or helps them, then yeah, they'll they'll pay you for it. And then you get to make money. That's the privilege. Yeah. But I think a lot of us, especially when we're starting, you know, I don't want to say we make ourselves out to be better than we are. But mm. in many cases, that is what it is. Yeah. You know, so we want to charge top dollar for what we're doing. But the truth <laughs> is, if we just start off willing to solve a problem and help somebody, people will pay for it, really will. And I've seen that happen in my life as well with products that I've given away that people are like, you can't give this away. And it's returned to me tenfold because I was willing to. It's not always the best business strategy, especially actually have traction because then people are going to take advantage of it. But initially, it is a very smart way to start because people can, you get your experience and people can see that, hey, this person really is here to help. Exactly. Exactly. That money, that income is going to follow that value if you are out there providing value. Yeah, absolutely. So this is cool. So when we started, you, know, you said you had 26 things you're doing, which is way too much. Yeah. You narrowed it down to three. I think you've mentioned two, unless I missed something in there. So you've got the podcast and you have the social media management. What, what is there yeah. a third thing in there as well? Well, I actually decided to cut the social media oh, okay. um, business. So it's not one of your big three. No, it's not one of my big three. That was a big, big thing for me because I I was really torn between a couple things that I was thinking about including in my big three. Yeah, the social media marketing business did not make the cut. I let go of a bunch of clients and I stopped taking on new clients because it just wasn't my priority right now. It wasn't the thing that I wanted to be focusing on. So I literally just cut that off. It was a hit to my income. Like I was actively removing income from my business and I was okay with that because I realized that like I'm right now at this point in time, I'm a 20 year old college student. Like I don't need the money. I genuinely don't need to be making that much extra money at this point in my life. And I wanted to actively focus on building relationships instead of building my income because the way I see it is like making effective relationships and mutually beneficial relationships is going to bring me much, much more value and significance and satisfaction long term than making a couple extra thousand dollars a month. I couldn't so, agree more. Yeah. So I decided to make that shift in my business, actively just put that on the side. I still do. So that guy, Ryan, I still do work with him just because him and I are working on a bunch of projects right now. And that was my other, one of my other top three was the projects that I'm working on with this guy, Ryan. We actually just launched an affiliate marketing course because that's his business model. He took me on to do the entire back end of the course and a little bit of the content as well. I did some content on Instagram and podcasting, but he's got a YouTube channel with about a half a million subscribers right now where he is making a lot of money through affiliate marketing. And so yeah. we decided to put a course together on that. He wanted me to do the back end. So I did that. So yeah, we're finishing that up right now. That was one of my other top three. And now that that's going to be off my plate, I'm actually going to have a new slot in my top three that I'm going to have to All think right. about how I want to fill that. When I've got a couple ideas right now. But then my third project is another friend of mine. His name's John Danes. He also has a top 100 business podcast. Actually, his was top 50 for a while. And so him and I have come together and we are actually creating like a podcasting academy where we're going to show people okay. how to create effective podcasts and connect with high level influencers because both of us have interview shows where we've been able to interview multi, multi millionaires yeah. and really learn a lot about the people in our industry and make some really amazing connections. I mean, this dude's 19, I'm 20, and we've been able to connect with some wow. amazing people and really just have some really cool experiences. So we want to share that knowledge that we have built up with other people as well. So that's, those are my top three right now. It took a while for me to really commit to those three and be like, okay, everything else is gone, but it's been a really, really good choice. Yeah. Can you run me through that process? Because again, obviously you're like me, you're a man of many passions. Like if you had 26 things on your list at one point, that means you like doing some stuff, you know? <laughs> how did you, I understand, okay, you, you limit it down to the three. I get mm -hmm. that. But how did you 
actually just focus on those three? How did you let the other 23 disappear from your mind? Are you still struggling with that? What did that look like? Yeah, so that's a really good question. And it sort of comes back to the process that I use to arrive at my top three, because this was something that a friend of mine, a couple of my buddies from college, we started a co-working space on campus. Now we have these things where every Sunday we'll go to one of our buddies' house and have a big brunch. And we sort of use those as like a mastermind. And I sort of came to that brunch one week and I was like, I'm doing way too many things right now. Somebody help me. And one of the guys was like, well, I just did this process in my own life where I wrote out everything I was doing and then I sort of rated everything on three different criteria. And this rating system was really able to, to give me some clarity and, and help me focus in on the things that I really wanted and stick with it. So how this went was first step is write out everything. So I had my whiteboard that's uh, behind me right now. I know you guys can't see it, but I wrote out everything on there, all 26 things. And then the first thing that I wrote next to each thing was its potential to make me money. So I rated, I think it was between like one and four dollar signs I would put next to each thing, depending on like how much money it was either making me now or how much money potential it had to make me in the um, like next six months. So just that was the first criteria I used. The second criteria was how much time was it going to take of me to do this at a high level or the level that I wanted to do it at. So then I, I drew a couple of clocks next to it, probably like one to four, just depending on like what amount of time it would take to do that on the level that I wanted to. And then lastly, and probably the most important, definitely the most important actually, was next to each thing, I drew either a smiley face, a neutral face, or a sad face, depending on how that thing right. made me feel while I was doing it. Because I wanted to have a clear picture of like, okay, what's making me money? What's taking my time? And what's actually making me feel happy, fulfilled, satisfied with my life? So after doing that, I was able to easily like narrow down, like cut out like 20 of the things because I was like, okay, that's not making me feel great. It's not making me that much money. It's taking a lot of my time. Cross it out. So I did that like 20 times, got down to like my top six. And then there were a few things that, that really were tricky. But yeah, I mean, the first 20 were extremely easy to eliminate because I was just like, that's not bringing me closer to where I want to be. It's not making me happy. So it's gone. Yeah. So that, that four-part framework is really what did the majority of the narrowing for oh, you. Yeah. Just you wrote everything out and the potential for how much money each can make you and how much time it would take for you to do each of them at a high level. And how do they make you feel with the yeah. faces out on smiley face, sad face? I got gotcha. exactly. those, those you. That's a great way to like really prioritize it. Cause you just, you put your whole mind in front of you there. Cause I, yeah. I, I'm sure that before you did that, your brain probably hurt a lot because <laughs> you're always juggling these 26 things in your head, right? You're like, Oh my gosh, all these things are my, you didn't even know that the number of it probably until you wrote it down. It's just like, I know there's a lot up there. I gotta get it out. But writing it down, prioritizing it that way probably felt amazing, right? It did. It felt so good to get that out of my head because again, it just been bouncing around in my brain and going from thought to thought to thought, like not knowing what I was even thinking about in a given time. And I was yeah. like, I would get home after class and I'd be like, okay, what do I need to work on right now? And like a million things would just like rush to the front of my head. Like, oh my gosh, like how do I even decide what to do? It was just a mess. So that process, I got to give that credit for a lot of the ability to like narrow things down. And then the last few were kind of tricky. There were a couple that I really wanted to hold on to. I mean, the social media agency was one that was definitely up there, but I sort of weighed my options and looked at where I wanted to be in the next like six months to a year. And based on that, I was able to really figure out which things were, were going to help me get there and which things weren't. Yeah, that's good. So and that's how you narrowed down the last few. You said you had six at that point. That's how you narrowed down the last of them. Just really look at your life six months to a year in the future. And that's how you're able to decide if you want to keep it or not. Yeah. And there were a couple. So one of the ones that I had a really hard time cutting, this was like number four, was a book. So at that point, I was in the process of writing a book. And I've got like 
I don't know, like 50 to 60 pages typed up. And I really wanted to do that, but I decided to cut that out. And like that one, I'm like, I'll just put that on the back burner. I can come back to that whenever. Yeah, thinking about like which things I could actively come back to and which things were like kind of a now opportunity, like the course that I'm doing with Ryan, that was kind of a now thing because he was going to do that whether I was involved or not. So evaluating which things could wait and which things were, were kind of like a now thing also helped me narrow down those last few. Yeah. You know, I, it's funny you mentioned a book. I'm the same way. I had a book that was on my list and I, similar to you, I had a bunch of things on my list and that's one that I had to put off. That was, yeah. it hurt. I mean, you know, yeah. I think a book has some sort of like, it almost gets you back to that place of pride again when you actually have a book, yep. you know, like, yep. and so you're looking at it and being like, that could be me, <laughs> you know, like, and you're waiting for that person to walk and be like, can you sign my book? And you're like, I've arrived, you know, so, <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's the vision I always had in my mind, which probably is the wrong vision, but it hurt to put it down. And I was like, Alex, you've got to yeah. stop with this book. You can't do it. So it's, it's interesting to hear somebody else who had that same kind of revelation, if you will, to know that you had to put it away for now. There's definitely a sense of pride that comes along with with being able to say you're an author and, and having a book. So yeah. it's it's definitely something that I want to revisit eventually. But it's yeah, it's just not a not right now thing. I'm glad I got you on the podcast before that. You might have been too cool for us at that point. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, doing my book tours and all that stuff. Yeah, you know, right? Yeah, got, got to sign all the books. <laughs> the number of people creating brands is increasing more rapidly than ever before. Whether it's a personal brand, product, or service, more entrepreneurs are getting started today than any other time in history. Although these are exciting times, there is a problem. The problem is that most people don't know where to begin. And as a result, they end up wasting a lot of time and money on products and services that they just don't need. Wouldn't it be great to have a guide to help you save time and money instead of wasting it? Well, there is a solution for you. It's called the Creating a Brand Community. The Creating a Brand Community is your digital mastermind or tribe. It's a network full of entrepreneurs devoted to helping each other succeed. We all help each other by sharing our experiences, recommendations, and discoveries along the way. As we like to say it, our goal is community collaboration focused on helping your brand succeed. The Creating a Brand community operates on our own social media platform. That's right, it's not another Facebook group. Our desktop site and mobile app feature online courses, focus groups, and topical discussion, along with live digital events and in-person events and exclusive content, all focused around the development and success of your brand. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in, please join at creatingabrand.com. It takes less than three minutes to get set up and become part of this community of successful entrepreneurs. When you join, please message me within the community, Alex Sanfilippo. I'd love to have a conversation with you and welcome you to our community. Hey, so this, this kind of brings me to another question here that I really want to cover. And yeah. now, how do you evaluate new opportunity? Because those 26 things were opportunities that were probably presented to you at one point or another. And I'm willing to bet now that you're a top 100 podcast, it's a huge deal. I bet people are throwing ideas and oh, plans yeah. for your life at you <laughs> all the time, right? Yeah, dude, my Instagram DMs are ridiculous. Uh, I can't imagine. It's obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. So how do you evaluate that? Or do you even evaluate it? Are you just saying no to everything? Are you actually taking it through the same framework, same system? Are you doing something different? Can you run us through what that looks like in your life right now? Yeah. So at a macro level, what I'm doing is every time I decide to make a decision, and this can be as simple as like going on my phone and like checking Instagram, I'm actively thinking about, okay, when I do this, what am I saying no to? Because every oh, wow. time you say yes to something, you're saying no to so many other things. And it's been really important for me because I'm somebody who really likes to say yes. Like when somebody says, uh, you should do this or can you help me out with that? I'm like, yep, 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 yep. Like sign me up. Here we go. And then I look at my calendar and it's like full for the next three years. And I'm like, dang, right. where'd that go? <laughs> but 
I really like to think about, okay, what am I saying no to? And like, if I spend whatever, 15 minutes on Instagram, what would I have done with that 15 minutes that I'm no longer doing with it? And the same thing goes for, for any project that I want to take on. Like if I devote whatever, 10 hours a week to this new project, what am I not devoting 10 hours a week to? And what am I putting on the back burner essentially, or just like throwing out altogether? So mm-hmm. for me, yeah, it comes with knowing what my capabilities are and then thinking about, okay, like what am I realistically able to do here? And if I do X, well, what am I not able to do? And what am I, what am I saying no to? And that's been something that I've only really implemented recently, but it's been really effective in, in this last week or so of oh, really being able to block out my time and figure out what I really want to be doing. And I've been able to get a lot done in the last week, more than I've gotten done in a week in a while. So I definitely plan on continuing to do this. And it's been a really effective strategy so far. (laughs) That's great. You're talking about two things I'm passionate about, which is intentionality and focus. You're talking about like opportunities, weighing opportunities, but truthfully, we could do this same model that you have here saying yes to X means saying no to Y, right? Like it's basically a formula. Like what are you saying no to by saying yes to this? We can do that with anything like our time spent watching TV, Mm -hmm. our time spent just playing a game on our phone or Xbox, whatever it may be, like all that stuff. We could be saying the same thing in that situation saying, all right, by me sitting down and watching this movie, what am I saying no to right now? That works anywhere. I mean, that's a really great framework for anybody to run things through their mind because it's simple. You can do that in a matter of seconds, right? It doesn't take Mm. you, you're not sitting there for hours pondering, what if I sit on Instagram for 15 minutes? You know, (laughs) like, you know, right away the benefit that it has because you've got your top three, you know where you're going. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And just taking like, yeah, I mean, that like split second to just like pause. Like I used to have on, on the background of my phone um, when I when I pressed the power button, it was just like a, it was the numbers three, two, one. And that was just to sort of like give me like count back in words in my head, three, two, one, what am I, what am I doing right now? Like hmm. if I'm just pulling out my phone out of habit, like why? Like three, two, one, why? Why am I doing this? Oh, that's just getting myself to pause and, and just take take a split second to like think about what you're doing and be intentional about it because we all slip into these ruts of like just pulling out our phone and instinctually like not even looking at our phone. You just like tap where you know Instagram is and then you're on Instagram and you're just mindlessly scrolling yeah. and you just do that unintentionally and you end up turning into a zombie. And it's really important to, like you said, just intentionality is huge and making sure that you are in control of your life, of your time, of your actions. Because if you're not, like what are you doing? You're not moving towards where you want to be. You're absolutely right. You know, that reminds me of something I actually do every week. I look at this screen time app, which is what I believe mm. it's called on, on my iPhone. That's what I use. And it tells you how many times you've picked up your iPhone or unlocked it, whatever it says, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. But I look at it, I'm like, why did I pick up my phone 40 times every day? Like, what was I yeah. doing those 40 different times? You know, like, and you got to automatically cut out. Like I was sleeping eight hours. I wasn't picking up my phone then. So like in 16 hours, I opened my phone 40 times. You know, you do the math. Yeah. Like how many times does that mean you're actually picking up your phone? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's good to evaluate that and think about it because, you know, talking about just intentionality again, like the only way you've achieved what you've been able to achieve is because you've been intentional with something. Yep. And everything that's pulling from that, you've got to be willing to limit. And now I'm not saying don't have fun, obviously, right? I mean, you still do things that are fun, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. But, you know, you just have to limit it. You can't let your life be run by what's comfortable, easy, and just fun all the time. Quick fun tip here, a little Apple here Insider tip. Not a lot of people know this, but I'm actually really into swing dancing, okay? Really? I really. I Last semester, a couple of buddies of mine, we decided to do this thing. We wanted to get out of our comfort zone. So we decided to go to a swing dancing class because none of us knew how to dance. We were all socially awkward dudes who are into entrepreneurship. So we decided <laughs> right. to go to this, this swing dancing event and I just got hooked. Like I was like, dude, that was the most fun I've had in a really long time. That's so cool. 
yeah, so I've just really been diving into swing dancing. I'm actually, next semester, I'm going to be an instructor on my campus for swing dancing. <laughs> nice. Okay, that's cool. Because, yeah, I don't know. I, I really, I really enjoy it. And it's something that I do pretty much every weekend, probably at least like two to three times a week, I'll go swing dancing for the evening. So that's a little Apple Crider insider that not all Very cool. <laughs> you know, this is a total side note, but there's something to be said for doing things that are fun and that refresh you. Because yeah. I bet that you come back to entrepreneurship, come back to like what you're doing and you feel refreshed and like ready oh, yeah. to take on even more. There's something to be said about that mental break and finding something that you love that is fulfilling. So just sitting around scrolling on social media doesn't give you that refill that you need. No, but not doing something like swing dancing, that's good for you. That's healthy. Exactly. Exactly. And that's a great way to meet people as well. Just being social is, is so good for your body. Mm-hmm. Like I just feel so much better. Not necessarily because I'm, I'm kind of like an introverted person. I sort of gain my energy on my own. But mm-hmm. just like connecting with other people is something that I feel like most people don't do enough of, especially when we're just, I mean, personally speaking for myself, like I'm on my phone all the time. Like if I look at my screen time app right now, I don't even want to know what it you says. Don't, you don't want to know what it is. No, I'm like, I'm probably I, one of the few people that actually look at it. A lot of I people know. say that same thing. Like, oh, I don't want to know. I'm like, well, they give me a notification <laughs> every week. And I just like swipe close that thing yeah. real quick. I'm like, <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Like, you don't need to tell me that. I know. I know. Yeah, like, cool. I already know what it says. Unlimited. <laughs> yep. Your screen time was 24 hours a day for the last three years. Like, nice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, just getting out there and meeting new people and, and really getting into situations. Like when I was first doing it, I was extremely uncomfortable, like meeting new people, trying to dance when I had no sense of rhythm. I still don't have really a sense of rhythm, but just but you just love getting- it. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. It's all about just doing stuff you're passionate about and getting outside your comfort zone has been huge for me because Mm -hmm. that's where the most growth happens in my life is when I'm not doing stuff that I do every single day. I mean, obviously I I have my habits and I I go to the gym regularly and I, and I like to stay active, but like when I get out of my comfort zone and do stuff that I'm not doing on a regular basis, that is where I see the most growth in myself. That's great, man. Really cool. So I have another question for you here. Yeah. You're a young guy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) really young guy. So do people, you know, I, I got into business really young myself and I had a big problem with this. Maybe the world's different now, but people didn't take me seriously. And I'm wondering, do people that you're trying to do business with, that you're trying to interview, do they take you seriously, even though you're just a really young guy? Or they kind of look at you as like, who's this kid trying to make it? Yeah. So that's an interesting question because at this point, I don't really have a problem with that just because like the caliber of people that I've had on the podcast, like when right. I, like when I name drop some of the people that I've had on my show, nine times out of 10, that's all the credibility that I need. Feel free to name drop Alex and Flebo anytime you want. <laughs> Might not get <laughs> you anywhere, do. but no, but okay, let's go back when you were first getting started yeah. and you want to do this. Like first time you reached out to somebody older, who's got some, some serious leverage where they're at, like what was their response to you? Yeah. So a lot of times, a lot of times I just didn't get any response because from the get, what I've done is I've always sent video messages to people. That's just the way, if I'm going to make a first impression with somebody, I want to make it a good first impression. And I don't just want it to be a couple lines of text and maybe an emoji or two. So first impressions are always video messages for me. So that's key. But a lot of times they would just open it and they just wouldn't respond because they'd be like, this kid looks like he's like 11 years old and he's got weird colored hair and a bandana. Like, I don't even know what I'm looking at at this point. So they just close it. And like, his name's Apple. It's like, what? I don't even know what's going on. It's a prank. Like, am am I on a reality TV show right now? But that was the biggest thing for me. Like, I don't usually find people take the time to like negatively respond to me, which is fine. And like, that's great for my ego because I don't have to 
get rejected. Really the only place that I see really negative things about me is in my YouTube comments from videos that I put up like a year or two ago. I get the most ridiculous that's YouTube, comments though. on doesn't, there. Doesn't matter if it's fantastic or not. It's That's that's YouTube for you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> get plenty of those. But as far as like being taken seriously, to be honest, I was never really putting myself in the place to be rejected at that point because of my podcast. I never, I didn't really start taking that seriously until I had built up a bit of a name for myself. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't really putting myself in the place to be rejected. And I think that was, that was a big mistake on my part because I could have moved along a lot faster if I would have failed faster and failed more often. But I just wasn't even putting myself in that place because I was pretty happy with where I was at. I was doing mostly, to be honest, like solo episodes before I started taking it seriously. Mm -hmm. And I started doing a couple interviews, mostly actually with people that I met at FinCon 18 when you and I were there. But I never really struggle with that too much. And I usually tend to use that to my advantage, actually, because a lot of people that I'm working with and that I'm reaching out to aren't in that age bracket where they see my age as an issue. A lot of the people that mm-hmm. I work with and that I, that I talk to, especially because my podcast is called Young Smart Money, are under the age of usually about 30 to 35. Okay. Um, most of them are in their, their 20s. So those people, when they see me and they see me hustling and they see me doing things, they're like, wow, you kind of remind me of me like five years ago. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Dang right, I do. Like that's, right. that's what I want to be doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I usually tend to play it to my advantage and I'm kind of bummed that I'm 20 now actually because like saying that you're 19 versus saying that you're 20, I feel like there's a huge gap there. And it like, is. You were a teenager. Yeah. Now you're, you're just an adult like the rest yeah. of us. Now, I'm, so, now I'm just like a boring 20 year old. But oh, like, easy, man. No, I'm just kidding. I would say like if you're young, like use that to your advantage as much as you can, especially if you're working with other young people. And and I feel like older generations are kind of coming around to this as well and realizing that younger people have something to say. But I would use that to your advantage as much as possible, especially if you have like any anything that you've really done. And if you haven't gotten those achievements yet, like invest in yourself, like make yourself a person of value before you want That's anybody good. else to treat you like a person of value. Because if you don't have anything to your name, if you don't have a skill that you can provide people with, like what do you, what do you expect is going to happen? Like you don't have anything that you're bringing to the table. And if you want people to take you seriously, you got to bring something to the table. That's what I would say about that. That's good. And you know, you're, you bring something to the table, add value. I believe that each and every person, each of our listeners, they all have some unique value that only they can add. Mm. It's going to take confidence. Yes. You have to be willing to be confident in who you are and yes. know that skill and then go out and actually use it. Because Apple, that's one of the things that you've always been really good at. You're, you're confident. You know that this is what you want to do. You know the direction it is. I think that's the reason people have said, yes, I want to be on this guy's podcast. Now, at this point, obviously, you have the momentum going and it's, it's a lot easier now. But initially, people saw like that video that you'd send them and they're like, man, this guy's confident. That's the type yeah. of person I want to align myself with. Oh yeah, confidence is huge. And I don't quite agree with like fake it till you make it. I mean, the way I see it is like first make yourself a person of value and then then you are in a place where the confidence is justified. But but confidence is essential. Like you need to not necessarily know what you want to do with your life and know know where you want to go, but just be confident in yourself and hold yourself in a way that other people respect you. Because if you don't respect you, then then how are you going to expect other people to respect you? If you don't hold yourself in a high, high regard, then other people aren't going to either. So it really starts with like, being comfortable in your own skin. Yeah, man, I, I love that. I think it's so cool. And I, I love your journey, man. Just from when I met you, again, we're sitting down there at a FinCon, hanging mm-hmm. out late at night, and you're over there just, I don't know how many projects you're working on at a time, but it was cool Too to bad. see you grinding it out over there, making it happen. And where you are today is just so encouraging to see how far you've come, how much you've learned already. And uh, I actually believe, I, I saw this, you're, you're a speaker this year, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm speaking at FinCon 19. So I got a scholarship to 18 and now I'm speaking at 19. <laughs> so exciting because that was your first conference. I remember <laughs> our conversation first conference, correctly. Yeah. First conference and a year later you'll be speaking at it. That is incredible. <laughs> 
very <laughs> proud of you. Very, very excited to know you. I'm looking forward to seeing where you continue going. Mm, I appreciate that, man. And like, I just want to say, like, I'm nothing special. Like, literally, I'm just a dude. I'm just a 20 year old dude who like doesn't really know what he wants to do, but just is trying things and is putting myself out there and being uncomfortable because like that's that's really what it takes. And I don't have my whole life figured out. Like, I don't even know where I'm going to be living in like mm-hmm. five months from now. So like, it's all a process and just be comfortable being uncomfortable and know that like you don't have to be somebody special. You don't have to six months ago, I had no connections. I didn't know anything and I didn't have a successful podcast. So like a lot can change in a very short amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been a great feedback, great conversation we've had here. Apple, I seriously appreciate you coming on the podcast today. It's been my pleasure, Alex. I'll tell you what, this Apple guy is somebody you need to keep your eye on. In the next few years, he's going to be that next big keynote speaker and top 10 podcaster. I believe that. He is crushing it because he has figured out this formula by doing less but accomplishing more. Now, maybe you're like Apple was just a few months ago where he was involved in 26 different things. It's time to narrow it down. All of us have to be willing to say no to more things so we can say yes to the right things that are driving us forward. I like the way he he brought up the question in this episode. He said, what am I saying no to by saying yes to this? Ask yourself that question with everything you're doing. What am I saying no to by saying yes to this? If you're saying no to something that is important that's going to drive you forward, maybe it's time to flip that around and say no to the thing that someone is asking of you or that your life is saying that you need to do because maybe you don't need to do it, right? I absolutely love this episode. It was very informative and I love hearing that formula that Apple has. So Apple, thank you again for being a guest Today, I'm the Creating a Brand podcast. If you want to learn more about Apple, you can simply Google Apple Crider, Young Smart Money, or you can go on the podcast app and look up Young Smart Money, subscribe to that podcast, and also his new website, which is sixfigureaffiliate.marketing. He is just getting started. You're going to want to keep your eye on this guy. So thank you again, Apple, for being a guest. If you're interested in show notes for today's episode, you can go to creatingabrandpodcast.com. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for listening.